Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. This idea came into my head that, you know, how long am I going to allow my dad to dictate the rest of my life? I decided that I had enough of it. I had enough of me putting myself through the ringer. I had enough of putting myself down, making myself feel like I wasn't worth it or I wasn't ever going to measure up to his expectations. And I said, why am I even talking to a man who I feel like doesn't know how to have a connection or a relationship with me? And so at that moment in time, I was actually like, I'm going to call my dad up and I'm going to tell him, hey, look, I just think it's best that we don't talk, that we don't have any sort of communication. Maybe I'll call him once in a while just to say hi. But the reality to me was, is like, why even cultivate anything meaningful with this guy when all he's done is caused me pain? I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Mike, welcome to the Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Man, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it is my pleasure to have you here. I was introduced to you by way of our mutual friend, Akshay, who has been a guest here uh, more than once. And when Akshay sent me your story, I was like, I don't even need to read this. If Akshay recommended you, I knew that you would be awesome. So no pressure at all. But, uh, <laughs> you know, you have a book out, uh, which we will get into, which is this really beautiful story about reconciling with your father. Uh, but before we get into that, I actually wanted to start by asking you, what is one of the most important things that uh, you learned from your mother that has influenced and shaped who you've become and what you've ended up doing with your life and your career? Man, that's, that's such a great question. Well, well, first off, uh, shout out to our friend Akshay Nanavati, um, an amazing guy, and, and I really appreciate it, uh, him giving us the connection. It, it, and in, in terms of my mom, the one thing that she taught me about the most was perseverance. Um, my mom in the book, I described to her as a, as a prize fighter, right? Just going round after round, no matter how many times that she's gotten knocked down and dealt with the adversity and the challenges of life, she's always been able to get back up and fight another round. And I've learned in mm -hmm. my entrepreneurial endeavors, I've learned in my tours of duty uh, with the Marines in Iraq that, you know, you just got to keep going. Uh, no matter what the setbacks are, the challenges that you have, uh, perseverance is key and uh, showing up every single day and just fighting another round. And I think that was the biggest lesson I learned from my mom. Yeah. You know, you actually describe your mom in the book and you say for a woman who didn't have a college education and whose sole priority in life was to raise two boys, mom always made sure we had what we needed. Yeah. Uh, you know, I think there was one other story about her that really struck me, and that was the fact that she had leukemia uh, when you graduated from high school. And you know, I think most of us are obviously aware of intellectually uh, that, you know, our time here is finite. The time that we have left with the people who matter most to us mm -hmm. uh, is not guaranteed. And yet you've had the visceral experience of that. So I wonder, you know, when you have the visceral experience of watching somebody close to you suffering like that, um, knowing that there's a possibility that maybe they won't make it, like, what does that do for the relationship that you have with them? 
I mean, it definitely, how does it change it? Yeah, it it definitely changes the dynamic. I think you start recognizing and, and realizing that our time is limited. And I'm watching my mom get diagnosed with leukemia. And, and just for context at that time, I think she's about, you know, I want to say close to 30 years or excuse me, uh, 25 years, I believe. Yeah, roughly like 25 years of being cancer free. And at that time when she was diagnosed with leukemia, I believe there was a less than 40% chance of survival. Now I think that rate is in the 60, 70, 60 to 70% from what I've read briefly. So, you know, to see that as a young man experiencing that with my mom and watching her go through that pain and suffering, it definitely made me realize that at any point in time, um, the people that we love aren't here anymore. Um, I have I have this philosophy that life is actually long, but it's incredibly fragile. And so that perspective in itself has allowed me to really cherish the memories and the moments that I have with my parents, with my friends, with my family. It's more about saying yes to adventures and opportunities and experiences because of the fact that life is long, but things are incredibly fragile. People that you love and are in perfectly good health can be gone the next day. Uh, People who are down on their luck have not had a lot of success or looking for inspiration anywhere they possibly can sooner or later become overnight successes. It works both way in the positive and the negative. And I think for me, um, being able to experience that type of closeness to death from my mom, experiencing that from war has really changed my perspective and being able to really treasure those relationships um, that I love so much. Yeah. So uh, this is something that I always ask people who have had to confront mortality uh, headfirst, whether it's their own or whether it's somebody uh, that they love. Yeah. What decisions did you make about how you would live your life going forward uh, when you were confronted with your mother's mortality? Well, the first thing I decided was, is that I have to make my life full of experiences and memories that I'm going to look back on at the end of my days, because I believe that's the only thing that we're really going to be able to truly experience is the memories that we made along the way, not the money, not the accomplishments the experiences, the memories. And I want to be able to have a memory bank of those in my old age and look back on that and say, man, I I did life the right way. And what I mean by the right way, I mean the right way for me, not for anybody else. It's just how I deemed for my life to be lived was a memory bank of experiences and adventures, things I said yes to, not living in regret. And that's the thing that I really try to focus on. Uh, specifically with that is, is that, is this going to give me an opportunity to say yes to an adventure? Is this going to give me an opportunity to say yes to a memory that I'm going to look back on and be happy in my old age that I did? Um, and it's one of the things that actually led to me journaling. So I've been on and off journaling probably for, oh, geez, man, I would probably say like 2007, 2008, I started like hardcore getting into journaling. And then I'm sure a lot of people can I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, but ended up not journaling uh, for periods of time and then starting back on it again. So I have this like on and off again relationship with journaling, but I committed over the last couple of years. I wanted to document as many days as I possibly could, whether there was nothing, anything exciting happening or nothing exciting happening, um, because I did want to look back and see the transformation that took place for me. I wanted to be able to see uh, what I valued at this point in my life, you know, being in my late 30s. And what I didn't value. And then looking back in my 20s and seeing there was any sort of alignment there. Um, so to me, the most important thing is, is that um, memories, experiences, and adventures. And then that, that's really what I'm focused on right now. Yeah. Well, you know, you mentioned making the right choices for you. And I think yeah. so often we got get caught up in making choices based on other people's expectations, whether that be our parents, whether that be our peers, whether that be society. and I wonder for you, like, how do you, for anybody listening to this, how do they let go of that idea of making decisions based on other people's expectations? Because I think to some degree, we're all influenced by other people's expectations. We all want our parents to be proud of us. Um, and yet sometimes, you know, the things that would make them proud are not necessarily those things that are aligned with what we want to do or our own values. Yeah, I, and I, and I definitely agree with you, especially about the parents thing. And I'm sure you, just, <laughs> I'm sure you've read that too. 
uh, about kind of this expectation that I had of my dad becoming somebody that I wanted him to be. And so for me, you know, for most people, I would assume that the expectations that they live with are the expectations like you, as, as you had mentioned, that your parents want you to act a certain way, is to be a certain type of way, is to go to school to be a doctor, a lawyer, a police officer, mm-hmm. fireman, whatever the case may be. But for me, in a lot of ways, my dad wanted me to act a certain type of way. But where the real challenge and the real friction was for me was I expected my dad to be a certain type of way. So we were actually, <laughs> we were, yeah, right. And we were exactly, we were doing that to each other. And so, you know, one of the things that I want to share with everybody that's listening today is, is that the one thing that you can do right now is to drop your expectations. Dropping expectations is incredibly important. Now, do not confuse this with goals. Do not confuse this with your ambitions, but expectations. Sometimes what happens with expectations is that we project them onto other people. We often project it sometimes in our business and in our work or our creative endeavors. You know, I expect to do a $100,000 course launch or I expect to land 40 clients. And what happens is, is that by setting up those expectations, we end up tying our own self-worth to the expectations of a success in the business or a failure in the business or did I meet dad's expectations or I didn't meet dad's expectations? And what happens is, is that self-worth gets tied up with the expectations piece. And then we judge ourselves and our whole entire life about, did we meet those expectations or did we not meet those expectations? And so for me, the biggest thing that I had to learn was, is that my results in my business or my results uh, in any sort of performance metric had nothing to do with who I was as a human being. How my dad perceived me had nothing to do with me being a human being and failing as a son. And recognizing that lesson in terms of letting go of expectations and dropping the expectations, the first thing I actually had to do was I had to drop my own expectations of him. I couldn't expect, <laughs> right? You know, and I couldn't expect him to be the dad that I wanted him to be if I was dropping these expectations and not attaching myself or to performance metrics or anything. And it was such a beautiful lesson for me to learn at that part was to be able to say, you know what, dad, I'm going to drop the expectations that I have of you and I'm just going to accept you as you are. And that does not mean when you accept somebody as they are, especially your parents, that does not mean you have to like them. That does not mean you have to (laughs) love them. But it simply means that acceptance leads to forgiveness, which leads to letting go. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's it's funny to hear you talk about this because I think that, you know, as I was going through your book, I was thinking about that. And, you know, I I remember having this sort of moment in therapy when I realized I was like, my mom is never going to be the mother that I want her to be or expect her to be. Um, And I have finally made my peace with that. And does that mean our relationship is perfect? Hell no. Like, <laughs> yeah, you know, we still get into battles over pointless bullshit. But I think that what ends up happening is you end up being, you know, a lot less, um, you know, harsh towards them and, and you don't hold grudges towards them. Because uh, I remember my sister and I having this conversation and, and you know, I was thinking, oh, I'm the one who gets the brunt of all of this. And, it, and I, I realized I was like, wait a minute, like, this is just what we've got and we've got to work with it. And, uh, you know, at this point in my life, I'm like, okay, I'm 45 years old. Am I really thinking she's suddenly just going to turn over a new leaf and become the person I want her to be? No. And if I keep expecting her to do that, I realize I will never be able to have even some semblance of a relationship with her that is meaningful. Yeah. And I, and I totally agree with you on that. And that was the same thing I had with my dad. So I, I'm in the same boat with you is that, you know, at what point when you get up in, you know, you get up into your mid thirties and your forties and even your fifties, the question you have to start asking yourself is, is that how long are you going to hold on to this idea that somebody's going to be different, especially your parents? And do you really yeah. want to drag that type of weight through the rest of your life when you're trying to create and you're trying to manifest and you're trying to actualize all the things that you want? Like, do you really think it's possible that anybody out there, and for those of you listening, that anybody out there or even you, do you think you can really create the life that you want still holding on to the fact that mom grounded you from junior prom or she didn't let you play basketball, <laughs> right? Or, you know, those, yeah. those types of things actually are so small in comparison to what they do to us as we get older that we can't create the life that we want for ourselves if we're still holding grudges, not just against people that may have done us wrong or um, things that just went sideways, but also grudges that we have against our parents, 
Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go cell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll get uh, into the book and, and the relationship yeah. with your dad because I think this you know, was such a really thought-provoking uh, book about reconciliation with a parent. But one thing I want to talk about is your military experience. I mean, what made you decide to become a Marine? How old were you when it happened? And, um, you know, I think so often for most of us, we experience war through the media. And I'm curious from your perspective, like, what do we not see as civilians that you, as somebody on the field, sees day to day? Yeah. So. I ended up joining the Marine Corps. I was a senior in high school when 9-11 happened. Um, it was, it was to me the, the day that defined my life up until that point. I was searching for a lot of meaning and purpose. And one of the things that I found was military service really gave me an opportunity to create a life for myself. Um, I've, I felt at that time being in my teenage years that my dad and I were somewhat disconnected. And I really didn't feel like I had a truly present father figure. And the Marines could be that for me. Um, you know, there was, it was very much marketed towards young men and women looking for purpose and looking to do something great and also be a part of something much bigger than themselves. And I remember when September 12th happened, I went down to the recruiting station because I was incredibly emotional after watching the two towers burn. I went down to the recruiting station and saw a line out the door of men and women in every single military branch recruiting office in the San Francisco Bay Area. And that 
was something I'll never forget for the rest of my life. And not only did I feel like the Marines was going to give me a sense of purpose and be this, quote, father figure to me, I thought the Marines was going to teach me things that I needed in order for me to be successful in life. Um, accountability, responsibility, traveling at a very young age and being in the Marine Corps, you learn very quickly how to live anywhere in the world with minimal clothes, minimal resources. You can adapt to a lot, if not every environment that you encounter. And your mindset is so strong because the belief that you have in yourself is so powerful and it's incredible what they drill into you. And in terms of like what people don't see uh, with that, I will never forget that in boot camp, one of the things that they do is, is that they break you down from your old programming and rebuild you back up. And one of the things that they start you with is that they remove your identity of your first name. So you are no longer, I would no longer be Mike or even my full name. I would no longer be Mike Ligori. It got moved into recruit Ligori. So it could feel maybe to a lot of people that was somewhat demeaning. And I felt like it was a little bit demeaning at first. I was like, wow, I don't, I can't even say my first name. Um, I had to state my title, which was a recruit. I had not earned the title of the Marine. I had to state my title and my last name. And I had to talk in third person. So I couldn't say like, I have a question. I had to say, this recruit requests knowledge. And a lot of people I think don't get to see that because boot camp is a, is a sacred journey for a lot of men and women. Now, um, when it comes to the field of war, one of the things that I think that gets lost into, you know, the Hollywood glorification of war, as you know, you had mentioned a little bit is, and then the media especially, is that the brotherhood, the shared misery does not get depicted as well as it could be. And there's actually beauty in the shared misery. When you're 10,000 miles away from the continental US, if you were born and raised here, and you go into a war zone in a foreign country where you're not sure who likes you and who hates you. You're not sure what native people of the of Iraq are on your side or are not on your side. And there's danger all around you. But there's a power and there's a bond that gets cultivated in a war zone when you got a fellow Marine looking at you just as miserable hating life, doesn't understand why he signed up, just like you don't understand why you signed up, not knowing what you got yourself into at 18, 19 years old. He's also, and she, or she's also knowing that she did, you know, what they didn't get themselves into or what they got themselves into at 18, 19 years old. And you kind of laugh about it. Um, but you also become closer because you realize, hey, you know what? If we're going to be miserable, let's be miserable together and let's have each other's backs. And that to me is, is an incredible, beautiful experience of the shared misery that doesn't really get shared through the media. We just talk about, you know, are we winning a war or are we losing a war? But we never really talk about the friendships, the brotherhood, the relationships, the camaraderie, the transition home is another journey that doesn't really get talked about. But I think those are the things that get missed out on. And I think if we were able to have those be talked about more, and also be able to be shared in, in terms of conversation, I think we would see that war is, is such a horrible, tragic thing, but it's also such a beautiful thing for many men and women, as horrific as it is, because they truly understand what it means to be connected to another individual and a human being in the worst of times. Yeah. So one thing that I wonder about, after 9-11 in this country, um, and unfortunately, you know, to this day, as a result of that, we have a lot of anti-immigrant, anti-Muslim sentiment. Mm. And so as somebody who is fighting a war in a country that is basically seen as the enemy, um, how do you find a sense of compassion for the people of that culture who you know are not responsible for the damage that, you know, the people who caused the damage caused, you know, uh, does that make sense? Yeah, it totally makes sense. Um, one of the things that I told myself when I came home, and this was just through books that I've read and my own self-awareness and a lot with my spirituality and faith, is that every person deserves a chance. And to let a group of people whose belief system guided their extremist behavior or acts of hatred or judgment 
I was not going to allow that to lay judgment on the masses or the rest of the Muslim faith. Um, or I wasn't even going to let that on people of different skin color or of backgrounds, you know, and I think for me, it was coming from a place like, well, I wouldn't want a couple people who were, you know, white Americans to set out this, set out this idea that I'm a bad person just because of the color of my skin or just because where I grew up and, you know, the, the privileged life that I've had for myself and, and all of these things that I've been blessed with. Um, but also all of these things that I know are topic of conversation. And one of the things that, you know, I, I really try to stress every single day is, is that, you know, it doesn't matter to me in the, it, well, let me, let me see how I can phrase this. You know, in the Marine Corps, everybody wore the same uniform. So you got the same haircut. We all wore the same uniform and really it wasn't truly discussed skin color or, you know, racial backgrounds. And it wasn't because it wasn't important. It was because we were all in it together and it didn't matter what you look like. You were a Marine and Marines get treat other Marines with respect. And I think that philosophy allowed me to just step outside and says, you know what? I'm not going to let a couple bad apples destroy this opportunity for me to connect with this person. And I hope that they look at me the exact same way that a couple bad apples that, you know, look like me as a, he's a tall white guy. Um, we're not going to ruin any sort of opportunity for me to show my personality and show my character. Um, and that to me is something that I really focus on and pride myself on is being able to give people a chance. And, and again, like, I think one of the things that I think is really powerful in this for me, at least, is that, you know, by giving people chances, by being optimistic about, you know, the human race, by giving people an opportunity from all walks of life, there are people out there that will burn you. And there are going to do things that are very hurtful to you. And for me, I've always said that, you know what, there is a chance that I'm going to get burned by an individual. Um, but I'm not going to let that destroy the idea that I feel like we are all inherently good and we all want connection. We all want love and we all want relationship. And I just have to remind myself that, that there's a small group of people that don't want that, um, that are going to do things that are very harmful and hurtful. Um, I'm only going to do the best I can to give people a chance. And if, as long as I stick to that, I think that's the most truest form of authenticity to me is, is just giving people chances and able to, for connection. So I hope that makes sense. I was trying to figure yeah, out, yeah, I was trying to figure out no, what I wanted to remember. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes complete sense. Um, talk to me about the training um, because, you know, I've read David Goggins' book and I remember somebody asking me about uh, David Goggins, you know, sort of way of living on uh, a, a podcast. And I said, look, in context matters here. So of course, David Goggins is tough as fucking nails. He, he was trained <laughs> yeah. as a Marine. You know, I was like, I, you know, I think there's valuable lessons in that book, but, you know, we have to also consider the context in which that worldview was formed, which I think is so often overlooked when we think about the lessons we learn. Um, but talk to me about, you know, what the training is like and, you know, what that creates for you in other areas of your life as a result of that training. Yeah, well, physically, it was one of the toughest fucking things I've ever done in my life. <laughs> you know, it was just, God, it was just crazy. Um, and it was more about endurance than it was actually about like feats of strength. So, you know, nobody cared how many push-ups you can, you know, excuse me, nobody cared about how much you could bench or squat or how much weight you can lift. It was like, can you run three miles? Can you do 20 pull-ups consecutively with that unbroken? Can you do a hundred sit-ups in two minutes? Can you run those three miles in 18 minutes for you to be in the top 100%? Um, can you do your job being mentally fatigued and exhausted where you can't even think straight. Um, can you do and get the job done? Can you do whatever it takes? The training was, was physical, but I think it was more mental than anything else. Going from having your name to being a third person recruit, not knowing what it's like to wear civilian clothes for 13 weeks. And then you're wearing military uniforms and then you kind of get your name back, but you still have a title now. You've gone from recruit to private or private first class and you have to work your way up the, the food chain, so to speak. And obviously the longer you're in and the higher you perform, the faster you move up the rank. And, you know, just like you would with any job or business. And, you know, for me, the mental aspect 
of the Marine Corps really has set me up to be able to take on the daily challenges of life, especially the ones that get thrown to us constantly as entrepreneurs or, you know, if you're in the creative aspect, those are the things that the mindset training of the Marine Corps has taught me more than anything to say, you know what, this isn't the worst thing you've ever been through. It's actually quite easy. Wars, wars, the most difficult thing you've been through. You've been shot at. You've encountered tons of landmines and IEDs and dealing with a client that may not be happy with your work or, you know, being late on (laughs) it, you know, or like not having an invoice get paid or somebody, uh, you know, messing up a short or a YouTube video that, you know, my team edits. I look at that and I go, you know, it's really not a big deal. Honestly, like it's a mistake, sure, but is this really the worst thing that's ever happened to me? And I think that time of perseverance, as I had mentioned before my with my mom and kind of got accelerated in the Marine Corps, that's really helped me in a lot of areas in my life where it's not about, you know, going balls to the wall 24-7, 365. It's about consistently showing up and executing over and over and over again to the highest level possible. And also to an energy management point to where, you know, at the end of the day, you go, I put a good day of work in and I'm actually excited to go back to work. And I didn't learn the energy management piece actually until I got out of the Marines because in the Marines, there's only one speed and that's all out. Um, but when I started getting older and started working for myself too, I took that same concept for the military about perseverance and consistency and adapting and overcoming to the fact that I wanted to be able to create a life for myself to where I got excited every single day to wake up and work. And I got every single, I got excited every single day to shut off from work and say, I put a good days in and I'm going to do this in tomorrow. And again, and again, because I knew I was going to move the needle in some form or fashion by showing up with that attitude. I'm Nick Friedman. I'm Lee Alec Murray. And I'm Leah President. And this is Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect. We are a new show breaking down the anime news, views, and shows you care about each and every week. I can't think of a better studio to bring something like this to life. Yeah, I agree. We're covering all the classics. If I don't know a lot about Godzilla, which I do, but I'm trying to pretend (laughs) that I don't right now. Hold it in. And our current faves. Luffy must have his due. (laughs) Tune in every week for the latest anime updates and possibly a few debates. Oof. I remember, what was that? <laughs> say what you're going to say and I'll circle back. You can listen to Crunchyroll Presents The Anime Effect every Friday wherever you get your podcasts and watch full video episodes on Crunchyroll or the Crunchyroll YouTube channel. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com. Website creation is hard. But now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and get a unique WordPress website or store right away. From there, you can customize your design, colors, and content. And Bluehost automatically helps you get found in search engines like Google and Bing. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins, Bluehost makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Go to bluehost.com wondersuite. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. 
With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Let's talk about aging. It's inevitable, right? But what if I told you there's a new way to age led by Solgar Cellular Nutrition? They believe, and I do too, that you can transform the way you age cell by cell with the power of cellular nutrition. As we age, our cellular function declines. Your regular multivitamins and minerals might not be enough to combat these age-related declines, and that's where Solgar Cellular Nutrition comes in. It's formulated with targeted cellular nutrients that work with your body's natural processes deep inside your cells to help you fight cellular decline and promote cell health across three benefit areas. It supports cell energy, repair, and vitality, muscle strength, and even glutathione production to help protect cells. So let's own our healthy aging narrative. Visit CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Again, that's CellularNutrition.Solgar.com to learn more. Solgar Cellular Nutrition. We go sell deep. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. So you mentioned endurance, and uh, we had uh, Chris Fussell, who wrote the, one of those books with Stan McChrystal. I think they wrote two together. And mm-hmm. I remember asking him about SEAL training and how, uh, you know, whether you could tell you know, who was going to quit and who was going to make it through. And he told me, he said, if I knew the answer to that, I'd be a billionaire. He said it's <laughs> al- almost, you know, surprising that, you know, you have these huge people who look like ripped. You think they're the ones that are going to make it. And they often end up being the ones that quit. Um, talk to me about that. I mean, is that the same case in the Marines, too? Oh, yeah. It, it, there's definitely a lot of accuracy. That I'll, I'll tell you a story. So um, we have we have a uh, we have a test in the Marine Corps called the physical fitness test, otherwise known as the PFT. And it's just something that every Marine does to measure their fitness. I think that we actually tested for it every three months. And my memory's a little foggy. And I think it was every three months or six months, you did a PFT score. And it would factor into whether you got promoted, whether you were within the standards of the Marine Corps of performing your duty. Um, it would factor into a couple other things because it was just about physical, well, it was about physical wellness and also mental wellness, right? So, I remember that at this time I was in Okinawa, Japan, and we were running a three mile and I was like, I'm going to break 21 minutes, three mile. And like, that was my goal. And mind you, I am not a runner, but I was so hell bent on just getting a score where it was under 21 minutes to prove to myself that I could do it. And I remember I came out of the gate, just, just hauling ass. Like I was just sprinting and I was like, oh man, I'm going to break 18 minutes. Like I'm going to, I'm going to crush this race. And you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty muscular guy at that time. Um, you know, I'm also a f- former uh, college offensive lineman and defensive lineman as well. So I have a big frame. So guys like me, we don't, we're not marathon runners. <laughs> and I remember running this PFT race and this guy just blows by me. And it's this skinny little kid and he was in my unit. And I'm just watching him just haul ass. And I'm trying so hard to catch up with him. And I keep going and I keep going. I just cannot catch him. And I finally cross and I'm at like 2051, barely make it under the 21 minute mark. And I'm excited with myself, but I was also at the same time wondering who the hell was this guy that passed through me? I thought I knew who he was and I knew he was in my unit, but I had never seen this guy before. And I look over and this guy is probably about five, nine, 160, 150 pounds, probably the same size as our friend Akshay. And okay. And I turn around and on his lower lip, he's got a fat bulge coming out of his lower lip. And I'm like, dude, did he just run that three mile under 18 minutes with a chew of tobacco in his mouth? <laughs> and I'm sitting there going like, did he just do that? And he spits it out and he's like, not bad. I got 1745. And I'm like, wait a minute. Here I am like making sure I'm just doing everything possible, not smoking cigarettes, uh, you know, like was an occasional smoker in the military, but like was making sure that I was like going to set myself up for success, like pre-training. And I'm like, I'm going to do this. And here's a guy who right before we were running through 
a chew of tobacco in his lower lip, spit it out, ran the entire three miles with chew in his mouth, came back and did a sub 18 minute mile. And this guy was half my size. Now you could say that maybe the 150 pounds like worked in his favor. It was a little bit lighter weight so he could cruise faster. But still, if you think about that, 1745 for three miles is moving and not, not to mention with tobacco in your mouth. So I tell that story because it really didn't matter in the Marine Corps what you look like. Um, people would surprise you. And that guy surprised me with that three mile run. I had guys who were, you know, who were hefty and a little bit overweight according to Marine Corps standards. Some of those guys were the toughest guys that I've, I've ever met in my life. Um, you know, but as the saying goes, it's always the short ones you got to look out for. And I had a lot of short guys in my <laughs> platoon. Those guys were yeah. tough, man. Those those guys were tough. I remember we used to do grappling matches and we used to like get into it with each other. And um, it was always those little ones, man, that would just, they would never quit. They were just always feisty. They would just constantly come at you, man. And uh, I really hated wrestling those guys. Um, I really did. I really well, did. I mean, you mentioned Akshay, who's out of his fucking mind. I mean, yeah, let's right. be honest. Like yeah. every time you hear about one of Akshay's adventures, you're like, dude, I really hope you come back alive. Yeah, I know. Like, and that's literally the first thing I think. I remember he showed me a movie once. I was like, Akshay, I was like, everybody in this movie died. I'm never going to climb a mountain with you. Yeah. And he's like, I know it's so awesome, right? Like that's like, it's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like, that's, that's the thing is like, this guy's the size of our friend Akshay. And, you know, those guys, it, it has nothing to do in like that representation of like size does not matter in the Marine Corps. It's like heart of the champion. You know, it's like the mindset yeah. of the champion mindset of a Marine. And it's being able to know that like most people will quit on themselves before others quit on them. And mm -hmm. when you get into the Marine Corps, you start recognizing that anything's possible for you as long as you commit and keep your, you know, put your mind to what your goal is. Yeah. Well, I mean, speaking of near death experiences and, you know, people quitting on themselves before other people do. I mean, one thing that I had heard when I asked a Navy SEAL about this, I said, you know, weren't you ever in fear of your life? And he said, the, the thing that keeps you from being in fear of losing your life is the fact that everybody has your back. Like mm -hmm. that is just a given when you go into any combat situation. Um, but talk to me. I mean, did you have any experiences where you thought you were going to die? And if so, like, I mean, what is that like? Because I, like you said, I mean, I think it's one thing to see it on TV when you watch something like Saving Private Ryan, but it's another thing to actually experience it. Yeah, yeah. I, there was a couple of times that I remember distinctly in a war zone that I felt like I was going to die. Um, and those, without going too much into the details of those events, one of the things that I will share with you is, is that your life does flash before your eyes. And you wonder immediately in those moments of near death, what people will say about you when you're no longer here. And I, it's all I could keep thinking about, especially the first time I got shot at. I remember distinctly thinking about like, if this is it, I'm 20 years old and we're getting shot at on this, you know, driving through this village in the middle of the night. And I'm thinking to myself at this moment in time as I'm also in this like panic state of trying to figure out like seeing these red and green tracer lounge, like going overhead, uh, trying to figure out like where these IEDs or grenades are blowing up. The first thing I think about to myself is like, is this is the end. I never got a chance to fully live my life, but at least I know that I died doing the thing that I committed to doing, which was serving for my country. And again, this, you know, this has nothing to do with like personal outlooks on like, do we agree with the Iraq war or not agree with the Iraq war? But when you're simply a human being and realizing how fragile life is and that we get out of scenarios a lot in our lifetime, um, very easily that could really turn for the worse. And that near death experiences in, or those near death experiences in combat really shaped my life forever. It really taught me to just appreciate, um, just know that like the only thing that truly matters is right now is the, this present moment. Um, it, you know, your past is, is already happened. And to me, I have found that there's no value in living in the past. I've also found that there's no value living in my future, especially because I've never been to my future. You know, it sounds nice when I dream of it, but I've never been there. 
So what really matters in this moment of time is now. And staying here and staying present to that from those near-death experiences um, has really been able to foster a lot of what I consider personal success for me. Um, being able to think about my life on a day-to-day basis and also knowing that we're all going to die. At some point in time, we're all going to go. We just don't know where that is. And I think that's the the beauty of life as well is that every single moment is a gift. Every single second is a gift. And every single conversation or interaction is a gift as well. And it gives you an opportunity to see that life is actually in your hands in a lot of ways to create the memories that you want, the experiences that you want. And, you know, I think I only could have gotten those realizations that I just shared with you from death or being in those near death experiences of, you know, potentially losing my life at such a young age without even being legal to have a beer at that time. Well, you know, um, you come back obviously. And, you know, one of the things that you say in the opening of the book about your father is that we have a historically rocky relationship that only found some common ground within the last few years. Safe topics were sports and making money. Everything else we disagreed on politics, faith, and nearly every single choice I made in my life. And so I wonder uh, you, what was it that, uh, both prompted this book and, you know, made you finally say yes to your dad when he asked you to go on this road trip? I mean, just for you people who are uh, listening, who don't have the context, yeah, give us abs- a, the backdrop here. Yeah, absolutely. So I was living in Colorado at the time. And, you know, as you get older, one of the things that this is, you know, as I was getting older, I should say. And one of the things that I was finding in, in getting older was that life, um, life changes for you really fast and goes incredibly fast. And one of the things that I was thinking about this point in time was, am I going to sit here and continue to have a relationship with a dad who I feel as though was never truly involved or present in my life? And I was in a relationship at that time. I was running my business and I really felt like I was making ground, but I was making ground at an incredibly slow pace. and. This was probably around late 2019, 2020, the beginning of 2020, where this idea came into my head that, you know, how long am I going to allow my dad to dictate the rest of my life? And I decided that I had enough of it. I had enough of me putting myself through the ringer. I had enough of putting myself down, making me, making myself feel like I wasn't worth it or I wasn't ever going to measure up to his expectations. And I said, why am I even talking to a man who I feel like doesn't know how to have a connection or a relationship with me? And so at that moment in time, I was actually like, I'm going to call my dad up and I'm going to tell him, hey, look, I just think it's best that we don't talk, that we don't have any sort of communication. Maybe I'll call him once in a while just to say hi. But the reality to me was, is like, why even cultivate anything meaningful with this guy when all he's done is cost me pain? So COVID hit, uh, the year that we all, we all love and know and love. And as we were all kind of shelled in, you know, sheltered up in our apartments and our homes, I decided that it was time for me to work on my self-development. That what a great opportunity for me at this moment in time, while the country shut down, that people aren't working, we're all trying to figure out how to survive, that I was going to work on my own self-growth, my own development. And I started reading books like Psycho-Cybernetics. Um, I read a book called The Toltec Art of Wisdom, a Toltec Art of Wisdom and Love, I believe, by Don Miguel Ruiz, which was a great one. Um, there's a couple other books I, I read as well. The Power of Your Subconscious Mind was another book I read. I was like really big into like subconscious programming. Uh, and honestly, I have no idea why I gravitated towards those books, but I was just completely fat, infatuated with this subconscious reprogramming um, aspect of psychology that I had discovered at that time. And as I'm reading these books, I'm starting to do the exercises in the book about, you know, practicing and believing and knowing that your future is going to happen for you and that, you know, you could have whatever you want in your life as long as you start acting like that person that you want to be in your future, which is kind of funny because I literally just said five, 10 minutes before, like I've never been to my future. The only moment that matters is now, which is 
totally true. But what I what I want to stress here is, is that there is power in visualizing your future. But there's a difference between visualizing your future and living in your future. And for me, I wanted to live in my future and not get lost in it. I wanted to be able to sit there and say, you know what? I want to create a better life for myself. I want to create something that's completely different. But I wanted, I didn't want to get so caught up in it that I missed out on living in the present moment. You know, one of the, uh, one of the excuses that I've heard from a lot of people is like, oh, well, when I make enough money, especially clients I work with, when I make enough money, then I can take a vacation. And that to me is, is like, is living in the future or becoming obsessed uh, with your future that you're missing out on the present moment. So I just wanted to clear that up. But anyway, as I'm visualizing, as I'm creating, as I'm practicing being in this future, I start noticing that my dad keeps coming up. And as he keeps coming up, I get really frustrated. Why does he keep coming up? I know that I need to let him go, but why does he keep coming up in my future? And I had this dream. And this dream that came to me probably about a week before he called me, and it was a dream about, I have to have a conversation with my dad. And again, this is what I was alluding to before about like getting ready to let him go. And he beat me to it. And so what happened was, is that he called me and he said, hey, son, are you free to talk? And I said, yeah, I am. Yeah. Well, what's going on, dad? And again, same shit as, as usual. I was expecting football, politics, business, um, you know, maybe, you know, kind of letting him talk about politics, but, uh, we, we definitely deflected on other things in life that I thought was really important to us and, or was at least important to me. And he said, you know, you and I haven't spent a lot of time with each other. How would you like to go on a road trip with me from Las Vegas to Sebring, Florida? We'll go to this auto race out there called the 12 Hours of Sebring. And I think it will be really fun for us. So I pause on the phone and I'm thinking to myself, this guy's got to be out of his fucking mind. We have had nothing but conflict for a majority of my life. And he has the audacity to ask me right now in this moment of time, if I want to in the middle of the pandemic, get in a Mercedes Sprinter van with him, which by the way, if you guys don't know what a Mercedes Sprinter van is, um, it's those Amazon vehicles that come by your house every single day. Imagine being cooped up with a man that raised you, that you've had conflict with your entire life, and he's going to tell you it would be a really good time for us to spend time together in this vehicle. No fucking way. <laughs> Am I getting in this thing? I, I immediately think to myself. and. At the same time, I felt these feelings of revenge come up. Like, what an opportune time for me to finally tell him to fuck off. Finally tell him like, hey, you know what? I don't want anything to do with you. I really don't want anything to do with you. I don't really think we should have a conversation. And this was like my one final no. And we could go our separate ways. And I felt like my life was going to unfold for me. And I started... um you know, I started getting like this idea in my head, like all I have to do is tell him no and everything's going to be fine for us. And what I actually found out was the moment that I was hearing him tell me about how great this trip was. And, and mind you, he, he's a former ad agency guy. So any of you guys who have seen Mad Men before, uh, my dad was Don Draper in a lot of ways, selling food brands, happiness, emotions, all the, the great themes from the show. and. I hear this voice in my head and I believe it was the voice of God at this time. And it kind of sounded like James Earl Jones from Lion King, you know, the voice of Mufasa. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember as I'm hearing this voice, the voice says to me, Michael, you need to go on this trip with your dad. It may be the only one that you get with him. And the moment that I heard that voice, I'm hearing my dad talk to me about, you know, we're going to drive the the Sunbelt route and, you know, we're going to go through West Texas and, you know, we'll go through New Mexico and Louisiana and it's going to be such a good time. All I kept thinking about was what this voice that sounded like Mufasa telling me, this might be the only one that you get with your dad. And immediately I felt this ease of pain and regret overcome me. And I started recognizing that 
the real healing was not me telling my dad to go screw himself or to never call me again or to leave me alone. It was actually in going on this trip with him. And I didn't know at the time like why I felt like that answer was coming to me, but it felt right. It felt like I needed to do this. And so I ended up saying yes. And it was also how I was going to spend my birthday at that time. And I remember my ex-girlfriend looking at me like, what did you just say yes to? And I said, I just said yes to going on a road trip with my dad. And we ended up going 11 days, sitting in this vehicle, driving from Las Vegas to Sebring, Florida. And it was the most life-changing trip I've ever had in my life. More life-changing than war, more life-changing than any camping or adventure I've ever been on to this day, was the that 11-day trip that I went on with my dad and got to know him as a man and got to know what he had been through. I got to discover the truth about him as a human being. And it was a really amazing, really powerful journey. It changed my perspective on my life. It changed my perspective on him. Um, And it's also motivated me that someday when I have kids, I am going to be and strive the best to my ability to be the best dad that I possibly can be. I think the thing that struck me most uh, about the chapters on the trip was that you were willing to ask him difficult questions, tough things that people would not want to admit to. Um, And there are numerous lessons that he shared with you throughout the book. Um, And, you know, just a few that really stood out to me. I remember this line in particular when he says to you, son, when you reach my age, there becomes a point when you get tired of trying to fit everything into your life. It's just Mm. not possible. And sometimes you don't get to see what you want to see your experience or what you want to happen, want to happen. When you understand this, you realize that you don't need everything. You don't need a whole lot. You have what you have. You're blessed for having something, anything for that matter. Um, you know, I mean, obviously there's numerous other parts of this book that struck me, but I think the thing that I wanted to ask you about was that you had your dad write the foreword and you know, yeah. I, that really kind of made me laugh because here, you know, you are telling, you know, writing about all the things that you actually despise about him, you know, and somehow also, you know, writing about healing. So what was the experience <laughs> like when your dad read this for the first time, uh, you know, both good and bad? Yeah. Well, when I asked him to write the foreword, he said, really, you want me to write this thing? And I said, yeah, dad, I think it'd be really cool. I mean, you know, we went on a hell of a journey. I mean, we healed our relationship after 30 plus years of pain and and regret on my end for us to come to terms with each other and realize that we were more than just father and son. We were best friends and we had conflict and we didn't become really good friends and, and close as we are now. Um, and to give you context, I maybe talked to my dad, maybe probably once a week when high school, when I was mad at him and there was a period where I didn't talk to him for a couple of years and, you know, to now where it's like, we talk every day and, you know, I, when he first read that book, he, he said it was very hard for him to read because he didn't realize how much pain I had, he had caused me. And he also said, you know, son, I think if this book is going to go out and help one person heal their relationship with their parents and take a road trip with their parents, whether it's mom or dad, grandparents, whoever raised them. If this book, they read this book and they can go to their parents and say, you know what, mom, dad, grandparents, person who raised me, let's go out and hit the road together. Let's, you know, let's resolve our differences. Let's share life together. Let's create a memory or an experience Then I'm all for it. And I remember that he said he was sorry. And my dad does not say sorry a lot. And to hear him say that to me after this book, after reading what he read. And, you know, a story in this book is actually one of my, it's my probably my favorite story and it's his too. And it's called When All Your Friends Are Gone. And when I wrote about his three buddies that he grew up in the Christian church with, you know, from his mid thirties all the way till, you know, now, um, 
that story is incredibly powerful for a multitude of reasons. But he told me, he said, the, the way that you wrote about my friendships with those men made me realize that how good of a time I had in my life growing up in faith, growing up in brotherhood and camaraderie and recognizing that I get a chance to have that with you now. And it, it was really powerful to hear when he finally read this book. Um, I think his foreword, he was a little nervous writing the foreword because he was like, wow, I, you know, he's, a, he's kind of a, he's like a, you know, he's a, he's a journal guy, you know, like he's never written a published article in a Forbes or, you know, he's, he doesn't, doesn't have a blog, even though I think he should have a blog. He's got a wealth of knowledge. But, you know, it's one of those things where you're asking somebody who's just kind of an everyday guy who's trying to live the best that he can to write something that's going to be seen by thousands of people. Um, I think he loved the honor of that. And I think just allowing him to express himself in his full authenticity, you know, candidly, I didn't, was not expecting him to write this like grandiose forward to my book or this introduction. Honestly, I just wanted him to just share whatever he wrote whatever his perspective was, because it was his trip too. It was our trip together. And we were able to actually form a bond that we'll have for the rest of our days. And so, you know, there was a little bit of pain that I think I felt too, a little bit of like seeing my dad, like, wow, maybe was I too hard on him on this book? Did I like, you know, did I, did I kind of like beat him down a little bit? And I felt bad, honestly, when I wrote it and he read it at first. Because I was, I, he actually didn't read the book until it was published. And the reason why I did that was, is because I wanted to make sure that this book was written from my perspective. And I wanted to handle my dad with the best care that I could, even though I felt bad at the time watching him go through that pain. I even asked my publisher about this, Morgan James. I said, did I go too hard on my dad? And I remember one of the people did said, you know, for someone like yourself who was so mad at their dad, you handled your dad in such a beautiful, delicate way that I think what you did more than anything was is that you depicted your dad to be a human being just like everybody else. And like most moms and dads out there were, parents are just doing the best they can with what they have at the time that they have it. And you just have to remember that. And remember that about yourself and remember that about your own parents is that everybody's just trying to do the best they can with what they have at the time that they had it. And so was my dad. And so was I. And so living in the past and, and all of that doesn't really serve us because, you know, life moves forward with or without you. And, um, yeah, for my dad, it was, it was an interesting, it was an interesting read. Um, but he did say how proud he was of me to write something about this trip in such a former fashion. And I cried my eyes out when I wrote this whole entire thing and being able to have him connect with me on that emotional level, although it caused him some pain seeing, my viewpoint of our relationship, I think really brought us closer together. Hmm. Beautiful. Um, well, I can see now why Akshay recommended you. Um, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us. So I have one final question, uh, which is how we finish all of our interviews at the Unmistakable Creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Forgiveness. I think the power of forgiveness and being able to learn to forgive yourself for human errors, for how you were made, imperfection and imperfection. One of my favorite quotes of all time is, is uh, from a guy named Peter Crone who says, you, you are a masterpiece and a work of art at the same time. And I think that beautifully sums up the power of forgiveness is just being able to know that we're these works in progress and we're also perfect in the same way. And being unmistakable means that you're able to forgive yourself for mistakes and choices that you make. You're also able to forgive your parents and forgive people that have wronged you and learning to let that go so you can move forward and create a more expansive life for yourself. I think that's what makes you unmistakable. Amazing. Uh, well, again, I can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us and share your story, your wisdom, and your insights with our listeners. Where oh. can people find out more about you, your work, the book, and everything they are? Yeah, doing? absolutely. Well, first off, thank you so much for this amazing conversation. I really appreciate it. And thank you so much. Your, your questions were absolutely powerful. So I appreciate you taking the time and energy to, to read this book. And um, if people are interested in, in buying the book, and I hope you guys are, uh, Amazon and Barnes & Noble, you can buy it there. Uh, you can also go to my website, 
mikeligori.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-I-G-U-O-R-I.com. And you can also follow me on Instagram at mike.ligori. Amazing. And for everybody listening, we will wrap the show with that. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World, and this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch, the skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.